Listen up, fanboys. Is that how you did it? This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, a man who I want to get sick, Derek McGough! Thank you, and now it's recorded for all <laughs> eternity. It's proof. You want to make me ill. No. Yes, you do. This I, is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are a stripped-down, lean, mean... Well, actually, neither of us are all that lean or mean. It just means Rick's out of town. Okay, okay we so. got, it's just the two of us. Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief, and of course, now, sound engineer, moral compass, God help us all, if you are the moral compass. I'll be good. And and uh, and sidekick announcer, Mr. Lon, fifth time in a row, Lopez. Fifth time in a row? Fifth for, time in a row for what? Uh, for having a cold this school season. Oh, so. okay. All righty, well, Thank it's... you, kids with germs. <laughs> they just keep giving, don't they? Yeah. Yes. It's called soap. Use it. All right, we are, of right. course, podcasting on Wednesday, March 4th, uh, from Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 104, Santa Clara, California, uh, as we mentioned up top there, Rick Brechneider is out of town on business, and Michael Goodson is uh, out of town on business, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And this He's is taking sh- care of business. This shout-out goes to you, Drew. Anyway, uh, yeah, was that a little too personal? Uh, no, no. fine. All right, good. Uh, and uh, Mario sends his regrets. He was unable to make it. Uh, to hear from work in time. So. That's okay. I didn't have the lost uh, sound effects to queue up. Anyway, uh, right. So. Yeah, you, yeah, you just don't have that bang. Mm, no. All right. Well, let's let's talk. You know, Lon and I. With no letters. Uh, well, there was there was one oh, sent one to Rick, Rick, and I forgot to print it out. Uh, I think it just talked about uh, X Wolverine and the X Men. Yes, and the, has anyone seen link, any of that? I gave a link to a Nicktoons website that had those. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I was at work. I couldn't watch it. I could not either. So let's let's say that's our homework for the weekend. Is we'll uh, okay. maybe right. find some time to uh, track this down and then acknowledge. I can't even remember the name of the of the listener who wrote in. I think it was Chuck, wasn't it? Chuck. Okay. Chuck. Was it Chuck? Chuck though. Chuck. Chuck. Chuck Farnham. No, it was not Chuck Farnham. It oh, was, it was a uh, different Chuck. It was a guy who I believe has written in before, and I'm really embarrassed. If Why you is listen- he writing in to Rick and not to editor at fanboyplanet.com? I, I don't know. Do those two have something going on that I don't know about? I think so, Lon. Dang it. Uh, Rick has been uh, seeing other listeners behind your back. No, Rick. Yes, he has. Say it ain't so. Uh, it's so. Let's talk up top. We've got comics news. we got movies. Of course, the big news this week on the uh, we market is Watchmen, and so it's Watchmen, Watchmen, Watchmen. But let's talk about WonderCon, because you and I, I was going to announce this, you like, and I. we were sort of in the third person, Lon and I, but Lon's the only one else here. We went we, up. We had a team, though. We had of. a team. We had a team, and they were mostly your guys. Sure, but my guys can be your guys, They are you my know guys. what I mean. They are. So. They are. They have come through many a time. Except the ones that, uh, I won't say. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, you know who they are. Yeah, exactly. I know who they are. Ungrateful bastards. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we hey, had some hey, we hey. had some WonderCon time this week. We did, we did, and in fact, later this week I'll be putting up a little uh, photo gallery, photographs Ooh, yes. taken from uh, by Stephanie Rodriguez, who is I guess you know the Fanboy Planet archivist who went to WonderCon and took some great shots. See what happens when you intern for Fanboy Planet? You go up from doing an arc free archivist job to moving up to, to be free, free photographer. photographer. <laughs> so. Yes. Eventually, it's going to land her into like well, free writing, right? Um, free article reviewers, yeah, like that, yeah so. that'd be, that's going to be great. So, anyway, 
Anyway, uh, so we went to WonderCon. Uh, what, what was your take? Well, my take. Uh, well, let's let's say this before we go into anything else at WonderCon. We met two of our fans at WonderCon. We did. Let's go. There. First, the shout out goes to Doc from Legends of Science Fiction and Fantasy, yes. the podcast. Hell, a swell guy. Uh, this, that's right. This is the first year you met him. I met him last you met, year. You knew him before. Mm-hmm. I met him last year, but as I was wandering through the autograph alley, I guess you'd call it, uh, I saw Doc at his booth and so said hello, and he interviewed me again, uh, did some nice uh, love for the Greatest American Hero comic, second issue of which comes out Wednesday, March 11th. Sure, sure. Uh, and then uh, as I was standing there talking to him, you walked up. Uh, uh, I think I actually called you. You called me and said you were on site, you and I said, well, I'm just going to stay by Doc's booth, and, and I'm going to let you meet Doc, because he's the one who basically gave you a whole new lease on life as podcaster, is uh, by calling you the Sandpaper. Right, he gave me my Sandpaper moniker. Mm-hmm. So, Fantastic. So, uh, and apparently he's been really busy, so he hasn't been podcasting as often as he wanted. We are going to get him down here. I gave him a lot of crap, said, Doc, I know it's hard. But we we do podcast a little later at night, and uh, yeah, and he's up at like Sacramento or something. He's in Tracy. Right? He's in Tracy, Tracy which right. just traffic it's not alone. Too far though. No, but traffic alone can be bad. So true. Just convincing him that if maybe, we take him out to dinner, maybe Doc afterwards, you know. Yeah, maybe that. Oh, forgot to sweeten the pot with that. Maybe we should. Yeah, you know, we may be able to. Maybe we still have an Astro Boy T-shirt somewhere. Or? No, we don't. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I do have a, a other things. Maybe we can give him a Fanboy Planet autograph some or other? Sure, that we can do. We can just okay. autograph this piece of binder paper here. Exactly. Like, hey, Doc, this is for you. No, anyway, he... I'm telling you, right now, Doc, guaranteed, like a number three combo meal at McDonald's is yours uh, on FanboyPlanet.com. Right. Small three? size, though. Small size. Small size. Yeah, don't, right. don't supervise this. We're on a budget. We can't break the bank here, Doc. I'm sorry. You know what? Yeah, Lon and I are trying to make it by on, on uh, school looks alone, side. yes, yeah. and we're not doing good. <laughs> no. Now the doc seen us. I think the comment I love most is going. It's so cool to actually see the faces behind the voices. You guys don't look anything like. <laughs> Disappointing. Uh, anyway, had the men we lost them. All, uh, right. all right, the other super fan we uh, we ran into. You ran into super first. fan. Oh yeah, I guess because super, he's super charnel. And you know what's funny is is I stumbled on well, we were walking down the artist alley and somebody goes, Free dum dums and I went, Hey, free dum dums, hell yeah. <laughs> they So I mean you can't pass up a free dum dum. Attracted Lon's attention with food. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you go to these cons, you look for swag, you know what I mean? So I was, you know, anything free, you're going to stop for. All right, but, so uh, that was... Uh, that so was... then I started talking to this guy, and he, hey, thanks for the dum-dums, dum- dum- and then he's all, oh, I also have this book, and blah, 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 and it's called, what was it called, Behind the Hero? Or Behind something? the Heroes, yeah. So I started looking at it, and then I started looking at the cover, and then I look at his name tag, and I'm like, the book says Sharnold. The name tag says Sharnold. And I look at him all, do you listen to the Fanboy Planet podcast? And he goes... Like, shocked. He looks at me, he's like, uh, yeah, I do. And I'm like, dude, I'm Lon from the... Po-. And he's all, I'm shard, I'm, I'm shard out here! And it was and like... the two of you were shardled. Yes, we we were both shardled at the discovery. At the yes. And uh, it was, you know, it was kind of cool. So it was like, you know, we had talked so much that one episode about shardled, so I thought it was kind of... And by f- we, it was really you, just... Trying True. to pronounce that name. True, and I got it now. But yeah. uh, and what do you think of the book? He did indeed have. He started his own publishing company. Um, 
it's a pretty slick uh, package. I've got to say that. He, he, yeah, I, I I think me and you had the same exact problem. And you know, hey, we we have to to disclaimer this by saying we give our honest opinions on things. So, Sharnold, we love you, but uh, I think my biggest problem with the book was actually I didn't like the art. Yeah, I I was not. And I think I, you. I mean, we, but he wasn't the artist. It's um, true. And it's a, but it's an art style that I see a lot, and I see that style. It's kind of that comic-y, manga-like And graffiti kind of style. Uh, uh, yeah. It's blocky, big heads, smaller bodies, almost like a chibi look, but, it, but it's too angular for it. A little bit. Um, but I, do, I, I have seen a lot, of, uh, like a lot of students drawing that way, so I'm guessing that it is an art form that's kind of, you know, or a style up. that's kind of coming up. It's not to my taste. However, let me give props. What sure. props are due is I thought that the story, uh, it's about a, 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 a neophyte. It's like a documentary-style comic, yeah. A neophyte superhero who uh, becomes the center of a, of a reality series about about uh, behind-the-scenes superheroes. Uh-huh. And um, I thought, actually, the writing showed some wit. It showed, uh, showed some cleverness, and I thought it definitely... He was laying some plot work pretty interestingly, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm kind of interested, intrigued to see where he's going to go next with it. Yeah, no, I, the writing, I think, was actually a little... Ref- at, at some point, I got... I, I definitely liked the concept, because it was it was mm-hmm. interesting to kind of grasp it. However, though, I definitely thought there were a couple pages where it was just dialogue back and forth between these two characters sitting on the couch, and I maybe, if I were editing it, would have said... Let's cut to some action a little quicker well, here, or uh, you know, you talking know, like, heads. But it was, but, but hey, it was somewhat clever dialogue. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was definitely. Oh, you stepped on sorry. my foot. Oh, it was you. definitely clever. Um, and like I said, you know, but it was just one of those where I liked the idea. I thought it was written well, and you know, my only critique would just be, you know, get to the action a little sooner. You can always flash back and you know get your dialogue here and there. Um, because there was a certain point where I just felt like, where's this going? And I want to say, Sharnold uh, uh, is uh, a young man, certainly much younger than even you. Yes. Um, I'm an old man. Well, you know, you're in your 30s, I'm in my 40s. Sharnold right. is, I'm not even sure if he's into his 20s yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's mid-20s, probably. Mid-20s? Sharnold, write in and tell us how old you are. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't turn off the media, we said, yeah, we didn't like the art. But, um, uh He's he's young, but compared to a lot of the other uh, young books, books, young books, uh, well, young publishers, young writer artists that I was seeing around in that section, mm-hmm. I got to say he had one of the best packages hmm. uh, in his packaging of his book, and that's um, that's a rare thing. It's like really, it's really. I, I, I notice when a book actually looks like it's professionally done, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about the art style. Again, there are probably people that will look at that art and go, yeah, I'm cool with it, because I've seen comic strips and newspapers that are drawn in a similar style. So it's just one that just doesn't appeal to me. I'm going to just give it out sure, there. Sure, sure. But there was a slickness to it, and that's not a bad thing. It, it had a professional look to it. He definitely had taken some care in how he presented it mm-hmm. with his cover, what he's going on. He's got some other story ideas, which you mentioned in the back cover. I don't know how he's funding, because I know that comics are a tough business right now. I don't, oh, yeah. know, I don't know how he's doing this, but he is out of the Sacramento area. I don't know how he's giving out free dum-dums, I mean, while we're at it. You well, know I mean? yeah, hello, dum-dums. Yes. I, he was just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But, no, but don't get me wrong. I don't. It's not a. I don't have a negative review. No, I actually, no, no, no. I think we both even talked off air 
going did you you know what did you think and it was like oh you know aside from the art you know i think it had a lot of potential so yeah yeah you know so it's a clever quirky fun little read it's called behind the hero i think because uh, neither have... of us brought our copy with us tonight. Right, right. So, again, Charles, if we have the title wrong, we apologize. We will get this. We will make a correction if we are wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is from Super Charnel Productions. Okay. Uh, and I will, at uh, some point this weekend, I'm going to kind of do a little compilation of the books that I picked up. Okay. And one of the things, we'll have that website correctly on fanboyplanet.com so we can send a little uh, of the correct kind of love his way. Sure. Uh, you know, I... I was I was pretty impressed because it seems to me he's also pretty much doing it on his own with some artist friends. Yeah, and you know how much I hate indie books too. You know what I mean? I do and know so, that you are an indie book hater. And so for me to at least finish, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't just stop at the first six pages. That's actually true. So, uh, right there, we should go with that. Right. So it definitely held my interest enough. But like you said, like it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, you're doing a. I, I mean, it is a comedy superhero book. But it's yeah. also a superhero book, and when the heroes don't look like superheroes, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, and like you said, it could just be the style is, you know, over our heads because we're a bunch of crazy old men. I don't know, but uh, you know, hey, good job, you know, putting stuff out, and you know, thank you for listening, and and it was nice to finally meet the guy. It was yeah, cool. Yeah, that was cool. So so yeah, and so that was that was our fan experience. Any other? Well, I mean, it was definitely on Friday was a. Little, uh, I guess somewhat lightly attended, but I certainly ran into a lot of people that I've, uh, you know, for me, going to a con is a chance to see friends that I really only see at cons. So, so like, you're con friends. I guess. Okay. But the people that I came in contact through with email, mm-hmm. like uh, Gary Morano from um, Warner Brothers, who, do, you know, is, uh, I don't know if you'd say friends, acquaintances. He's like the press. Contact, he's a yeah. but he's a really cool guy. So I, I'd say I'd say we're friends. We have conversations that have nothing to do with what he, what he's promoting. Awesome. We often do via email, exchange things like what do you think about this movie, blah blah blah. We toss, you know, topics back and forth. Right. Uh, he's a really good guy. And you know, I walk over to the DC booth, there he is, boom, first thing I see. First person I see that I know. Right. I kinda had the same experience with Mark Hamill, you know what I mean? So you know, I saw him, I was like, Hey, what's up, Mark? You know, and, I, and he said that'll be a hundred dollars, please. Oh, that's not what friends do. No, that's oh. not what friends do. I guess I. It's a, Damn that, it, Mark! <laughs> sorry. I thought you liked me. Wait a minute. Well, I thought I was the guy that knew Mark Hamill. What? I thought I was the guy that knew Mark Hamill. Oh, right. I meant Adam West. Not Adam. No. Anyway, uh, ran into uh, Joe from Atlanta's Fantasy World, a competing comic book store. We're not competing for this one. But are they underwater? Uh, no, but they're in Santa Cruz, oh, so it okay. could be any day now with oh, the rains. Got it. Uh, but he runs the premier comic book shop in uh, in Santa Cruz, Atlanta's Fantasy World. It's an awesome store, uh, and so you know I'd met him uh, about uh, eight months ago, I guess, and, mm-hmm. or nine months ago, and uh, you know actually literally the first person I saw when I got off the escalator at WonderCon was Joe, and so he was buying a sandwich, and we sat and talked for a while. Can I also too go on record? As to why I did not shake anyone's hand at WonderCon. Go on record. Okay, so for anybody that got offended that I didn't shake your hand, it's because I had pink eye. So, uh-huh. um, so anyone famous that develops pink eye <laughs> in the next five days, you know what? Fanboy Planet gave you pink eye. You uh, know why? I'm sorry. Because you didn't do an interview. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie Lunar. That's all I have. Oh, good Lord. If you gave Jamie Lunar pink eye, I am going to be so upset with you. Actually, you know, hey, she probably needed it. She needed something to do. What? Anyway, oh. so... Um, uh, anyway, ran into Jason Sachs from ComicsBulletin.com, which used to be Silver Bullet Comics. Online, uh, on the web, is a really good website. Uh-huh. It's kind of morphed into another... It's, it's, still, it's still a really good re- website. It's just changed the name. Jason Sachs wrote... Uh, a couple articles I edited Sexy. years ago on Fanboy Planet um, and on onceuponadime.com, which is the website that I ran for Mark Hamill years oh, ago. Oh, for Comic Book the Movie. Yeah, for Comic Book the Movie. And so. Uh, did he charge $100? He did not. For See, that? and that's the thing I, I, I got to say. How do we feel about this? Is Let's mo- break it down. Let's break let's it down. Talk. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill charged. Wait, wait. Let's, let's, let's preface it a little bit. Okay. Basically, one of the big. Let's say autograph signers this weekend at WonderCon, at least the for, big, the, the big autograph signer was Mark Hamill. Now, I don't know; he doesn't do a lot of these, right? Correct? He does not do a lot of conventions. That's true, though. He is a big fan. Okay. I have I have sat amidst his collection, and I got to say, he is the real deal. I've I've looked at his Batman toys. I've looked at you know Spider Man stuff. I mean, he's a real. True diehard collector, and he loves this stuff. He loves everything WonderCon, okay. Comic Con. So he comes to San Francisco, and he's there. I, he wasn't exclusively there with Carrie Fisher, but he's there with Carrie Fisher. And basically, in this economy, where especially what two or three days later after Obama gives like you know an impromptu or a de facto State of the Union, mm-hmm. saying how bad everything is. Mark Camel and Mark Hamill walks into San Francisco and charges a hundred dollars for an autograph. Is that an autograph photo? Uh, you could buy a photo. Uh, I believe if you brought your own action figure, like still in the package, you'd sign that. But that's for a hundred dollars for a signature. Ninety dollars for a second signature. Wow! So, so almost two hundred dollars to get two things signed. Okay. By Mark but now here's the question: Hamill, who hasn't been in a movie since. James had a Bob Strike Back. Okay, but uh, no, he's done some. He's done a lot of independent stuff, and I don't want. And of course, he is. You know, for a lot of people, he is the Joker, no matter what has happened in live action. Sure, you know, um, he's certainly a giant among fandom. And, and I don't. Before we get too ridiculous about it, now anybody can write in and corroborate this for me, confirm that you know. I mentioned this to my wife. I said Mark was charging a hundred bucks, and and I said. On the one hand, my first reaction was, I think, kind of like what you're what you're given. On the other hand, I thought, and then somebody's going to take that and turn around and sell it for two hundred bucks on eBay. Really? Well, I think that's in this economy. But then, but then, what my wife said was, well, the athletes do it now too. They charge, you know. So sure, but the athletes though, and I and I thought about that too. But like the athletes though, they don't give a crap about their. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like. When you see these things, those that's kind of like a shady promoter thing. They get the money out of the fans and okay. everything else, and and you know it's like WonderCon's always been about the fans and about you know the people that made you who you were, you know, and you kind of coming back to them. And you know, well, and I'm sure twenty dollars for an autograph photo and stuff. That's well, Carrie know, that Fisher was, was thirty five. Sure, but I'm just saying. But now when you set the bar up at a hundred now, you know, because you're Mark Hamill, you know, who's to say that you know, the next guy that comes through, you know, Gil Gerard comes through and starts charging 120 You know what I mean? Like, it's well, just kind of one of those things where it's like... Well, that seems like apples and oranges or lukes and bucks. Okay, but I'm just saying, it's like, 
Especially in this economy. Here's the other thing, too. And he got tons of people. And he got it. That line was very long. He got tons of people, but it's like, you know what? Maybe drop down to 50 and get twice as many happy fans. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Well, and 50 was Adam West, and I admit I was... Was he 50 or I think he was 30? He was 50. Because that's for an autograph photo. For an autograph photo? Or... Or if you, it was fifty. If I think you even want to take your picture with him. Oh, I think you're right. It was fifty. So okay, you know, sure. and these, and this is, you know, this is a way they come up. They're at least paying for their trip, because you know these guys aren't staying at the Motel Six. They're probably playing, staying at the Marriott or the Four Seasons or the W. Sure. Um, and they get certainly get their stay in San Francisco paid for. I don't begrudge them that. I don't know that the WonderCon organization pays for its guests. Well, they're I doubt non-profit, it. so probably not much if they do. Well, like, like you know, Adam West was there promoting a film. He was there for Super Capers, which we mm-hmm. did talk to the writer, director, producer, uh, co-star Ray Griggs, and I'll be tra- transcribing that and, de- and getting that interview up a little later, uh, somewhere around the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure, uh, which looks like a lot of fun. It has Adam West playing Man Bat, nice. um, who drives the Batmobile, uh, and that's why he was there. But, yeah, it was a little disappointing to me to say, 50, you know, I've waited... This is, to me, that's like the Holy Grail. Adam West, the guy that uh, is the guy I've never met in any context whatsoever. Um, certainly, you just caught him at a bad time. My earliest memories are watching that show, you know, and really, I really want that show out on DVD. You know, yeah, I, I, but I don't begrudge him because the reality is, it is a lot of people shaking your hand. It is a lot of it, it is tiring for a guy in his seventies to show up at all. You had David Hedison. Didn't mean much to you, but he was the guy who played the fly. He was the uh, the uh, captain on the Sea View in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Um, you know, so he's got, and he was Felix Leiter in two uh, two James Bond movies. So, uh, in fact, one of the few the few guys to repeat it and 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 play uh, Leiter for two different actors playing James Bond. He was mm. in Live and Let Die and um, License to Kill mm. with Timothy Dalton. So um, you know, he looked good. You know, I, I thought he would be would be a little more frail. You know, you're afraid you're, when someone hasn't really been in the public eye in a long time. And he looked really good. You had Richard Keel there, Jaws. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you, you know. got your standards. It's you know, I'm surprised that uh, uh, Peter Mayhew wasn't there because he always comes up. You know, all the Star Wars people. You know, Ray Park was there signing. You know, for GI Joe and Star mm-hmm. Wars and all that. But I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just a small part of what WonderCon's all And about. you're in Northern California, by the way, I should say. Ray Park and Derek Mears are both going to be in Sacramento in September, uh, if you want to say regionally, at the um, science fiction and horror uh, convention there, from fromthelandbeyond.com, mm. run by Anthony... Uh, oh, dang it. Today, Anthony Dangit? No, know if not Anthony Dangit. I can't oh, think of what Anthony's. This is the problem again. I have this. I run a little something where I know people by their first name, and then I totally forget what their last names are. Right. But Anthony is a friend <laughs> of the store. <laughs> He's a friend of the podcast. He's a friend of Elusive Arts. In fact, one uh, one of my few comic book signing appearances has been for a convention for him up in Sacramento. And I think we may venture up there in late September. Really? Next year, we'll see. Well, you think Derek Mayers is going to let you sleep on his couch this time? Well, he'll be in a nice hotel. I'm going to... Roll away? I I don't know, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. You guys could be bunk buddies. I don't know. That guy's probably rolling in so much Friday the 13th, poontang, and it's not even funny. Uh, He's he's married. Oh, okay. Anywho, I have... Are you going to edit yourself? Uh, (laughs) What? It's a a, a textual... it's uh, It's a... 
scientific term. Okay. Anyways, um, you know, I had a lot of fun on Friday, and it was... It I was think nice it, to be able to walk around, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those where, I, you know, last couple of years you come to these things, and especially being, you know, Comic-Con, shell-shocked or whatever, you know, you're expecting, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with a bunch of morons, and it's just, you know, it's not, not fun. And we went, and this was the first year, really, too, where on a Friday we didn't have much to cover. There wasn't really a lot of no. press opportunities or anything like that, so I didn't have to rush to some interview or rush to, you know, videotape something or whatever. It was like, you know, pretty much we just had the run of the floor all to ourselves, and it was nice to actually be able to be a fan at a convention again. It's, and that's, that's what, what it felt what like. So, like, you know, so for right? me, from WonderCon, that's what I kind of just, uh, you know, again, we didn't have that, uh, that many people to interview. Uh, on Friday afternoon, I had two great interviews, two great conversations. One with Virginia Madsen that you almost didn't do. Huh? I almost didn't do. I almost turned it over, tried to turn it over to you, and you I, said, "But I'm sick." Yeah, I'm. All, I don't think Virginia. I Madsen, have pink eye. I don't think she wants to stare into my pink yeah. eye. Yeah. So I went, and it was it was fantastic. And that uh, Joe from FearNet.com, and uh, and you know so. It was just kind of like good, always good to reach across the table and, and meet somebody from a from a, another site, and had a great conversation with Virginia Madsen. And then I had, and a guy I've wanted to talk to for a long time, Gregory Novak, who is uh, well, vice president of creative affairs, I think, at um, at DC. Okay. I I may have the title wrong. I'll have it right when I transcribe the interview. Uh, but his job, it's a dream job, is to be the guy lobbying to make movie and TV adaptations hmm. of DC, DC properties. properties. And it is, I would say, directly traceable to the one-two combination of Gregory Novak and Bruce Timm that we have the DC Direct, or the DC Universe animated directive video hmm. animated films. Really great guy, enthusiastic about his job, and again, clearly a fan. You know, absolutely. And what was he pushing aside from... Well, Wonder Woman. Right, but then wasn't there another... Kind of surprise. Uh, not not all that a surprise. I guess they'd shown a little bit at uh, New York Comic Con as well, but they announced the title of the next film, Green Lantern: First Flight. So they were pushing that. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, what the future might hold for the DC Universe uh, DVDs and uh, and about just you know comic fandom and what movies you know. As I said, I said you know I see that. Uh, it announced the release date for Jonah Hex. Oh, you heard about that, huh? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like because a year and a half ago, I'd, or two years ago, I'd been at a WonderCon where he said, "You know what? I'd really like to see his Jonah Hex movie." And boom, you know, I was trying to get out of him. What? So were what you trying to like subliminally drop a message? Like, so uh, I think a Phantom Stranger movie might uh, be really. Cool. I think maybe if someone would make a Fanboy Planet TV series, that go. would be great. Uh, but, you know, I forgot that we aren't actually owned by DC, but I'd be willing to. We can, we can be. We can be. So that was Friday, you know, and then I, I don't know what you did Friday evening. I went and had dinner and with my brother. Friday night. And then I went home and watched the Wonder Woman DVD. Uh, yeah, Friday night we, all us sickies, drove home and got... Uh, In the sick mobile? Yeah, pretty much, and then got, you know, food and went home, and it was... Cried our little selves to sleep. Okay, um, and then Saturday went up, and you know, um, there's a lot of big movie day. I guess the thing about WonderCon for us, having gone to Comic Con, and that's you know a different thing, is that it were just they were just updated panels, right? From that was Comic-Con. kind of that was kind of the uh, the underwhelming part of WonderCon was that there was a Terminator two or Terminator Salvation panel, which was already featured at Comic Con. There was a Watchmen panel. Which is already featured at WonderCon, which 
also too, Watchmen comes out, you know, or came. Comes out a week after. after, Yeah. So it's like, really, at that point, what other... Pixar does not panel, so I guess that was new. Um, Star Trek. Star Trek. Now, that actually was... I mean, it was... They did have a Star Trek panel at Comic-Con, but this was the first... I don't know if they did it at New York, but first time for me, we got to see... Christopher Pine, you know, the star, the... Chris Pine, yeah. Chris Pine and uh, Zach Quinto, you know, the, yeah. the, the Kirk and Spock together, yeah. you know, on a stage. And that, you know, I like moments like that for WonderCon that bring that little bit of excitement, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, show me something, you know what I mean? Yeah, they were spe- and they were, su- quote-unquote, surprise guests. Right. But, you know, you could guess, but... Uh, well, I think we predicted on the last podcast, like, J.J. Abrams and maybe Zach Quinto and... yeah. Everybody else, but we ended up getting Chris Pine and what was her name? Zoe Zaldana. Uh, Teresa Zaldana. No, no, it's like Zoe. Zoe or something. Is it? It's like Zoe Saldana or something like that. Yes. Okay, we'll go with that. Who and, is uh, Uhura? But they also showed the new trailer. The new trailer. Which, Lordy, it was awesome. It rocked. Yeah, I think I turned to Derek like right after I went. Damn. By the way, that's me. I'm Derek. I turned to you. Yes. And I was like, "Damn, that was hot." And when I mean hot, I don't mean like in a sexual way, but like in a I, sexy I, I way. Hope not, you know you what turned, I mean? Because so, you turned to me and said it. And well, I, I turned to you a lot that it was, weekend. It was very, you did. And I was all turn around. No, anyway, but um, and you know what? Let's let's talk briefly about the smaller people because we also got to see Elijah little, Wood speaking. No, of not people. not what? Elijah no? Wood. No, oh, no, sorry. he's not a Hobbit. Anyways. No, but what was the uh, the fifties uh, sci fi movie? Alien Trespass with Eric McCormick and Dan Loria, uh, and some Australian mate. actress who I'm some Australian totally Sheila. Oh yes, um, and directed by R W. Oh, see, I'm going to get this wrong. So right, we'll just say it. It's you know, been a long Trespass. day of work. Alien Trespass looks like a, a whole. I was expecting heck of a lot of fun. I was expecting crappy indie movie, and then they showed some of the clips, and I was like. Oh, decent, crappy sci-fi movie. No, okay. but meant to be, meant to be a, a loving parody. But shot way better than I thought it was going to be. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. looked really cool. Um, almost kind of reminded me all of like Mars Attacks a little bit mm-hmm. in the sense that you know spoofing that genre and everything. But it looked fun. It looked more fun than I would have gave it credit for. And yeah. so it was almost one of those things where I was like, oh, well, I might check this out on Netflix or rent it. You know what I mean? And like, I want to say Eric McCormick handled. Uh, a pan- rude, a, pan- a, 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 well, a, an audience member. It wasn't even rude. It was just it was smartassy. You know, it wasn't. Someone funny. referred to him as Will, and he handled that better than I've seen many uh, celebrities. And, right. and I'm talking about you, Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, what did she do? Uh, well, when somebody actually years ago I, called her Buffy. Uh, she said, do you ever look to Buffy for inspiration? Because I do. And she said, you do know Buffy's fictional, right? Oh. And it was just so like, you know, come on, we made you. Right, um, exactly. And, you uh, do know your career is over, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I thought that Aaron McCormick handled it in a funny way and very gently sort of, you know, made it clear, by the way, my name is Aaron McCormick. I'm not Will. <laughs> Will is fictional. Mm-hmm. But it was still done in a charm. It, it, it wasn't. Just in case that guy really did just think his name was Will and get confused or something. No, he was being a spy. You think so? Okay. Because that's, you know, you put a microphone in front of people, they feel like they have to be 
witty and funny and entertain the whole crowd. When when the reality of it is, people listening out there, if you're a WonderCon attendee, we don't care what question you ask. We don't give a damn who you are and what script you're working now, on. Now, are, are we are we proving your own point right now by being on a microphone? And oh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So, but we here's the thing: yeah, I provided okay. the we, I provide the microphone. Rick provides. We provide our own microphones so we can say whatever we want. But when someone else is providing the microphone... Please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell me Lon's a tool. Anyway, I'm go just ahead. saying. Yeah. We, you know, when, you, when someone else provides the microphone, act like you've been there before and show some respect. Come on. You okay, I mean? okay. That's all I'm saying. You know, uh, if you don't like a person... Uh, the other one that we only caught the, I only caught the very tail end of was, uh, was Pandorum. Uh, which apparently Pandorum was with Ben Foster and Kung oh, Lee, right, and then right, we, right. it was a mix-up. We didn't get to interview them. Although they said, you know, it is possible if we get close to the opening date, since Kung Lee is a San Jose-based or a. You want me to challenge him to a bare knuckle fight? Is that I what you're do, saying? I absolutely do. I want to see you get Look, your butt. I am retired, but I will do this for the podcast. I appreciate that, and we'll have Chris Garcia ref, so we'll be sure. Kung of Lee, fairness. just nothing in the face. That's all I ask. Yeah, because his face is his money maker. Exactly, and uh, that's how I cash checks. Absolutely. Uh, so, Pandorum is this horror film about two astronauts who wake up on a on a city sized spaceship with no memory of who they are, how they got there, and what's going on. And they needed a kickboxer for this role. Uh, no, no. The, the Kung Lee is like some he's like a hologram that's coming out. They, they're 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 sorting out. Dennis Quaid and Ben Foster are the two astronauts sorting out. I did hear about this what film. happened, and yeah, apparently a lot of buzz came out of WonderCon of this Pandora. This is the first time anything from Pandorum uh, was shown. And Kung Lee's in it, and Kung Lee's in it. Yeah, how did he, I how don't did this know. guy get in this? I movie? don't know. I. Don't know. You kick Frank Shamrock's ass. You get into a big movie. Is that what it was? Look, I don't understand how it works. I'm okay. just saying he's there. And Can we start that then? Maybe we just the fanboy planet fight night. Can we just do Can that? I, and then... I don't think I could kick Frank Shamrock's ass. <laughs> no, it's like me, you, and Rick. Dude, and I'm 43. We'll, we'll throw Adam okay, in. I'm pretty you know? sure I could take down Rick. I'm not even sure I could take down Rick. Um, and in fact, right now he's listening to this and going, "No, you can't." Yeah, right in now if you want to see <laughs> Fanboy Planet Fight Night at your local comic shop. Holy crap! Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, it, there was, uh, yeah, so a lot of stuff. And then we also we went got, to the Mondo Marvel panel. Oh yes, yeah. which to me. Well, there was nothing Mondo about it. Did you think the, there was anything? Well, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty dang funny how no one likes the Red Hulk, but that was just me. And that was because of our boy Nate. Yes, who basically started the the trend, and you know nobody else was asking questions, and Nate pretty much just. And here's the thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's the thing. Nate is a loyal reader, and he is their demographic. He is their. He religiously buys their comics every Marvel week. Comics. Wanting to be entertained and wanting to be kept happy, and, and he just wants to read his books. And, you know, he had a valid question. He's like, when I've been reading this, I've been following Red Hulk since it started, do you think we're going to find out who it is anytime soon? <clears throat> and the editors were basically like, well, we're dropping clues, and, you know, maybe by issue 600, you'll get a real big clue. But it was just like... At least another year off was yeah. basically what they were saying. And it was one of those things where it was like almost a slap in the face to the to the loyal fans who are spending their hard-earned money and you know, it was just kind of like hang in there and... We're going to draw it out as long as we can right? and make you... Because you like Hulk, but you don't like Red Hulk. That was my favorite part. It's just so you enjoying Red Hulk? 
Not really, no, but that's yeah. not the question. Right, exactly. You know, and um, that's where hype got in the way a little bit. Right, and the other thing, too, though, is, you know, it's almost like this is the trend now because look what Marvel's doing in Black Panther. Who's the new Black Panther? You think we're going to find that out anytime soon? Doubtful. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like... And yet it did remind me, and I didn't pick it up, but uh, but I will next week, uh, Agents of Atlas. Actually, it's kind of, it sold out <coughs> here at Elusive. Oh, they, they were pimping that hardcore. At that but you know point. what? I, I like Agents of Atlas. I liked the, the first miniseries they did, so it was a reminder going to Mondo Marvel, even though there were things that I thought were ridiculous, it did point out to me a couple of series where oh, I might want to pick up on that. I might want to pick up Agents of Atlas. It was those those weirder weirder corners of the of the Marvel universe that I usually don't pay attention to. I was thinking, yeah, that might be worth worth looking at. Especially reminding me how much I like Ed Brubaker and how much I like uh, mm-hmm. Matt Fraction as a writer. Are and, they working on it together or what? You no, know, they're they're but they're in different. Things. There's going to be an X Men uh, New Avengers crossover that I think both of them are working on. Uh, both of them are working on X books. Uh, and then Rick Remender, I didn't realize Rick Remender had come to the Marvel Universe, and Rick Remender writes Fear Agent for Dark Horse. Mm. Great book. Uh, I just thought th- the one thing I got from that panel was once the questions started going, it seemed like it became uh, like a sounding board for all these people that were just like, hey man, what's up with this, and why can't we get this? And, you know, there's that one kid's like, how did Red Hulk pick up Thor's hammer? It's Thor's hammer! You know, it's like, yeah. you had all these just disgruntled fanboys that are like, you know, come on, you know, and so that just well, kind of seemed but like... when you say that, the, the editor's argument back, and I think it's is legit, that book sells out every month. Mm. Literally, they go back into second and third printings of that. Mm. And so when you say, when everybody's saying they're hating it, they're still buying it. So why should Marvel... Why change anything? Change anything. Because they don't care When it's you. working. Well, no, you know, it's not that they don't care, but the, but the reality is, if they're still selling well... Right. Then why cut to the chase so early? Right? It worked. You know, whatever. Well, it is. see, that's why the fans out there need to go. Oh, I don't like this anymore. I'll find out when it's leaked or when it's spoiled on the internet, and then I'll just be. Because I mean, honestly, that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we joke about me not buying comics because I'm poor, which is partially true, but it's also the fact that. Although I gotta say, hey, I'm glad you're wearing pants. Thank you. Um, not for long, but. Uh, what? You know, I'm saying, I, it's just, you know, I, you almost wish people would, you know, when you go to these cons and you want to see these writers, you almost wish they'd, you know, have a little concern for their fans. But, you know, who's to say they're not? But it's a business. You can't please everybody. It is right. a business. You can't please everybody. <coughs> and the reality is those that go to a convention, you know, we're... Um, we're a minority. It's like to say the internet. You know, the internet and they Marvel's joked about that, cracking the internet in half. The people that actually troll, that, that post on boards and, and criticize, that's a small percentage of the people that are loving it. That are buying, buying books. You know, and you know what? And on that topic, and I think we both noticed this or talk about this this weekend. I think we were shocked or at least surprised to find that. Things were selling more than I thought they would, and meaning like you know we talk about the economy being bad and everything else, but come the end of Saturday, I was walking around some booths that I had saw completely stacked on or stocked on Friday, 
and things were just, you know, flying off the shelves. Well, what I'm hearing is the high-end stuff did not go, sure. but a lot of low-end stuff. Right, but it was kind of like what we were talking like about. You know, when, yeah. the, when things are in the crapper and everybody's depressed about the economy and everything else, you turn towards your escapism, you turn towards mm-hmm. your... You know, your fun books and comics and action figures and everything else. And Well, I found a couple of good deals. I spent more than, certainly more than I intended to. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but I'm very happy with what I got. And I uh, spent way too much. However, though, I did get to meet a childhood hero. And that was Greg the Hammer Valentine. So, See, if was, you're, if you're listening, good. Greg the Hammer, he only charges $20 for a picture. Okay. And an additional five to actually elbow you in the head. I didn't go for that package, but I did get the photo and the autograph. We did consider, however, uh, throwing a chair at him when he walked by us at <laughs> Chevy's, true. right? That's true. Just walking up and smacking <laughs> him in the back of the head. Uh, yeah. Or a chimichanga. Either one. I think he would have liked that one. Cause yeah. He, you know, he, well, let's say, uh, you know, that was it. And we didn't go up Sunday. That was the television day. Um but uh, I heard oh, uh, that uh, Summer Glau did make it. She did. Yeah. Oh wow! Saw some pics. Beautiful. Well, that'll fit with that. Uh, I believe the Big Bang Theory uh, plot. But anyway, ooh. ooh. Um, let's talk a little about uh, comics. We'll get back to WonderCon because we did see a movie. We'll talk about yes. a little later. Uh, but let's talk about actual comics. Uh, just to kind of point out, I, I, I want to give a shout out Keith Champagne and Peter Tomasi's The Mighty, the second issue, hit stands today. Very eager to read this. Um, the Goon, uh, one of my favorite books from Eric Powell uh, from Dark Horse Comics, uh, celebrating his 10th anniversary, and that hits the stand today, number 32 of The That's Goon. That's weird because, like, it just seems like The Goon just came out a few years ago, you know what I mean? But it was an independent, it was a, a regionally independent book originally and before Dark Horse picked it up and started it over, so oh, I think okay. that's that's why. But you talk, it's, it's to me, the goon, in a very sick, dark way, has, and don't get me wrong, it's amusing, uh, sick, dark way has done what uh, what Bone did. Um, not that I'm really seriously saying, if you love Bone, you're going to love the goon. That's simply not true. Right. But Eric Powell started by making just this really silly book about zombies and rednecks and hillbillies and, and this mobster guy, the goon, and it was funny and it was irreverent and tasteless. And he slowly shifted it to becoming this really serious epic hmm. about this character's life. And there's still laughs every now and then and they're still as wrong as they ever were. But there's a really great dramatic undercurrent that's been going on since essentially the hardcover graphic novel he really le- released last year, the the mystery of Chinatown. And um, it it's an amazing book. If you're not reading it, which uh, David Fincher has picked it up to direct an, uh, an animated version of it, hmm. it is it's an amazing book. And the it, fact that it's been around for ten years in this market. That's true. That's impressive. That's too. true. And 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 one I'm going to mention just because we met Scott Collins at Comic Con. Uh, That's my boy. Artist Scott Collins. He drew you. He did a sketch for you. He did. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, he is and let's writing. Just say I keep loving it. Oh dear. He is writing and drawing. A, I hang it on my wall. Yeah, I know. Okay. He, he is writing and drawing a Solomon Grundy miniseries. Really interesting choice. And writing. Uh, they actually let him write the book now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing. It's to, so he's doing his own thing. So I, I picked up the first issue. I'll let you know next week what I think. Uh, but I thought it was worth taking a shot. One because he's writing. First time 
that I'm aware of that Scott Collins is scripting himself. Okay. Interesting choice for a character, and it was indeed his choice. He wanted to do a, a Solomon Grundy book, and DC let him because Scott Collins is a name that's definitely you know an up and comer. Mm-hmm. So, kind of interesting to see. Um, keep me posted. We'll, we'll, I'll keep you posted. Let's move to movies because, of course, the big movie this week. Do we want to go to the big movie or do we want to talk about the news first? Um, you know, we're the news. Well, the casting news. Yeah, we got to do the news first. Okay. Well, everybody's favorite uh, it on girl, the, it girl on the on the hood of your uh, bumblebee is uh, <laughs> Megan Fox. Oh, yeah. uh, who was Mrs. In almost Brian Austin Green. Green. Almost Mrs. Brian Austin Green uh, has announced. Uh, officially, and it has been rumored for a couple of months, but she's officially going to be in the film adaptation of Fathom, Michael Turner's. Uh, oh yeah, about that marine so she's biologist. Gonna be, she's going to be wet and scantily clad the whole film. Uh, I believe yes. Chiching, yeah, good <laughs> yeah, casting I think on that good one. Good casting. Interestingly, uh, which I had not heard her name in association with, was that she's also confirmed that she's in Jonah Hex, which starts filming next month. With Josh Wait Brolin. a minute. She's going to be dusty and dry and sandy and covered up in dirty old rags? Cha-ching! Cha-ching! All right. Okay. Cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to read your mind like that. <laughs> Jinx, oh, buy me a Coke tonight. No, I was setting it up for I, I appreciate that. Any yeah. good comedian would follow that. So. But I did. Yeah. So, okay. uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, she's going to be in, in Jonah Hex, which is just kind of interesting. Did Hex ever have a girlfriend? A gal there, there, there are women that have been attracted to him despite his... Significant scarring. Well, you know, in the dark, everybody looks the same. Well, and the reality is, can you make a big movie, even like that, without having some kind of love interest or or sexual object? No, exactly. Because I don't know if love interest is fair enough. Jonah Hex tends to spend most of his time with prostitutes. So she's probably just one. She's the school marm. Oh, she's probably the school marm. Really? That's. I don't know. I'm just saying that to disappoint you. Oh, okay. I I I doubt she can even play school marm. I think it worked. Um, Yeah. I don't know if she can pronounce school, Marm. Hmm. Anyway, um, and we saw a movie Saturday night at WonderCon. This we did. We had a sp- we had a special private screening. Mm-hmm. Nearly, we uh, went to. We the were f- among what fifteen people? Maybe there were fifteen critics. Not that, even fifteen. Uh, maybe, maybe twelve. Twelve critics went to maybe ten. Maybe even ten. Yeah. Maybe even ten went to uh, the Variety Club screening room in San Francisco to see. Uh, Greg Matolas. Yes, Greg Matolas. A movie I was quite looking forward to. Let's say this cleanly: Adventureland, a movie we were both looking forward to. Because I talked over you before. That's fine. No, I'm not going to do any editing. So. Yeah, I know. That's but, why I uh, want to make sure it's clear people understood what we were talking. Oh about. yeah. Now you're right, Greg Matola, director of Superbad. Right, one of my all-time favorite movies in the last few years. Um, so of course, from seeing the preview, where the preview features. Bill Hader, one of my favorite young comedians, comedians right, now. right now. Absolutely, yeah. Ryan Reynolds, one of my favorite comedic actors from the last few years. Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig from I Saturday Night love Live. Her. Hilarious. Love her. So, so you're basically telling me you you have this ad from the director of Superbad. You know, you know Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Ryan Reynolds. You know, teen summer at a carnival. And Jesse Eisenberg, who. Uh, Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks, you know. So you think right, who is Jesse Eisenberg? Was he in that's the lead? Else? No, I know. No, it wasn't but, uh, else. I have no, I, I have no. So idea. you're thinking this looks like Super Bad Part Two? I am gonna laugh. Set in an amusement park. Yeah, it's gonna be idea. like teen angst and funny scenarios. We are gonna laugh our asses off. 
Well, you were Thank half you, right. WonderCon. You were half right. Well, and they were even pushing it with a skee ball competition yeah. at the convention. Yeah, on the floor, you could play skee ball to win a Adventureland T-shirt. Now, if you're listening, you're probably thinking, "Boy, these guys hated it." And it's not that. And it's not what we're going for at all. It was. Uh, Let's just say, it wasn't the movie we thought it was going to be. We can say that instead of a wacky teen sex comedy, which is really what I thought was going to happen, and what was really what the advertisements are kind of with making Kristen, it seem to be. Uh, what's her name? Kristen the, Stewart from Twilight. From Twilight. Uh, and uh, no, what it really is is a sensitive coming of age drama. With funny bits, but I really felt like the Saturday Night Live guys are walk in, it becomes a totally different movie for two minutes at a time, right? And walk out, and the, and this is excluding Ryan Reynolds, who turned in a kind of restrained because he is a good actor. He turned in a restrained performance as kind of the 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 amusement park Lothario, mm-hmm. uh, the older guy who kind of takes advantage of younger women, and. Uh, you know, I thought there was... Yeah, but see, that bothered me, because I'm a big fan of wacky Ryan Reynolds, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Van Wilder, and it just seems like everything he's in nowadays, he's just, he wants to shed that image and be known as a serious actor. He wants to be taken seriously. It's like... That's why he's playing Deadpool. Well, I mean, I, I hope that brings him back, but he's playing Deadpool in a big, you know, motion picture blockbuster. He's not doing Van Wilder 2, you know what I mean, or 3. You know 3, I mean? 2 was done. Sure. But you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, you know, we get it. You can act. It's cool. But, you know, give us give us the funny. You're a funny guy. Give us some funny. But, yeah, you're right. He was a very sensitive, very reserved role, showing his chops. You know what I mean? And, and, and he's got the chops. Don't he, sure. he does have the chops. It was a good, it was a good performance, a good role. But for it him. was just the thing is we, we came in there expecting to laugh all night and have a great Saturday. We walked out really questioning our... Our childhood and our pasts, and you know, maybe wondering if we did it all wrong, or you know, I just, I don't know. There was a lot. It really, was, I was just hoping to catch the Bart train home. That's oh, what I was, oh, that okay. was my question: was oh, right. does the Bart train run here? Right. Okay. Um, but but uh, yeah, did did it? Yeah, yeah, it oh, did. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that was nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I said, like you said, sensitive coming of age movie. I mean, and it was. If you saw it for that. If you came expecting that, it was good. I think it was an excellent example of that genre. However, I expected a wacky sex comedy. Right. I wanted to laugh a lot harder than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some things that I thought were a little bit cliched. Um, but what I think probably impressed me and maddened me at the same time was that there were a lot of sequences that felt very real in the dialogue and just the awkwardness of how everybody was talking and I was like it's not moving as fast as I want to but I think probably if I'd gone in going yes it's an indie coming of age I'd have been fine but because I was expecting the wacky and wasn't getting it it felt like it moved very slowly for me so we're doing a service to this movie by revealing what it truly is so go for it on those terms and it is it is really good. Well, it's kind of like I said, I think, to you know, when we were coming out of it. It's like, I think if marketed to the Twilight-type fans, fans yes. of Kristen Stewart, the young girls might appreciate a coming-of-age kind of thing, you market it that way, you're still going to do big. But I think what, what Miramax, I think, is planning, marketed it and get that big opening weekend to make all your money well, back. Well, that's the game. Then, yeah. That's the game. Because just last night, 
or Monday night when we were leaving the movie theater, the big promotional stand-up at the movie theater was a, an arcade game, you know, called Adventureland with all the, their happy pictures on the side. And yeah. And makes it look like this fun romp into... Right. And then, you know, and, and, and then we can move on. It's a good segue. Let's talk about, of course, that Monday night we saw the movie everybody's talking about this week, Medea Goes to Jail. And you know what? That Tyler Perry is funny, man. Okay, not really. Oh. We pulled that. No, actually, okay. what we saw, of course, was Watchmen. We saw it Monday night, and uh, your take, sir. Let's just, I'll let you begin. Well, here's the thing. I was kind of with you as we walked out, and not really ready to make an opinion yet. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Had to digest. Well, a that was bit. Monday night. Now it's Wednesday. Had a little, let it marinate a little. We've indeed let it uh, let it fester, if you will. After thinking about it, I think I liked it a lot. Um, there, you know, what happened was watching the movie sitting in the theater, mm-hmm. and this is we're going to try to be as spoiler free as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. And watching the movie, um, you know, your brain is working to go. Okay, I know the book. Was this in the book? Or you know what I mean? Like your brain is funneling it, and it's it's kind of one of those things where you almost wish you could turn off that side of your brain that knew the story. I absolutely wish I could, and just enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, part of what the digesting and marinating phase was was to give me a couple days to let those two kind of sink in and separate. You know what I mean? So after I, you know, took in the Zack Snyder version, I could let it kind of sit and move away to the side, and I could appreciate it. And if I can say this was like this was like seeing a film adaptation of a beloved novel, right? Versus graphic novel. I mean, you know, the thing is, and it is a different thing than when you say see a Superman movie. Well, there's no iconic Superman story that right. everybody knows. That's all about what everybody thinks they know. Watchmen is very different. It's very. So this and it's it is, taken so long to come to the screen. And it's commenting on tropes. It's it's a deconstruction. It's all those things. And yet, it's a deconstruction and a reconstruction in a way that I don't think even Alan Moore, the original writer who has you know removed his name from everything, um, that even Alan Moore doesn't understand. He keeps talking about even that we fans who revere that book have got it wrong because we're not acknowledging the satire. Yes, there's satire. There's plenty of satire in there. There's plenty of commentary on, yes, Rorschach is insane. And and that that's a whole trope of superheroes that, you know, the insane loner kind of thing. And he's and it's not putting it up as a good thing. However, it is still a graphic novel that has excited people over the years and gotten them back into comics and seen a possibility as he himself put in Wired magazine, did you know he made it okay to read Green Lantern on the subway, basically, mm. by calling it a graphic novel? And I say, yeah, what's wrong with that? As long as it's escapist fantasy, and you can't even say, even as a serious work, Watchmen still, at its heart, escapist fantasy. Mm-hmm. As a film, what I think, like, I'm still kind of stuck in the middle. I really liked it. I think I got. I think I. I want to pay for it. Uh, I think I want to see it at least one more time in the theater. I agree. To be surrounded with people and to kind of get it, let it wash over me again because I think the things that probably Zack Snyder was in almost a lose lose situation and he and he won. He won what was almost an impossible thing because there are parts where he is so slavish to the original graphic novels, like wow, I feel like a panel just came to life. Mm-hmm. 
And then there are things that he did differently, and that's what everybody's exoriating him for. It's like, well, how could you change that? How dare you? And it's like, yeah, but what he did was he made Watchmen, which was a graphic novel, into... He translated into film language. So, like, yeah. we were talking about the actual violence there. Mm-hmm. You know, and even one of the complaints I had Monday night, I talked myself out of today, which was that it opens with that montage of, of tableaus um, giving visual information that is in the comic and it is in Rorschach's journal, which is almost almost verbatim mm-hmm. copied out of, of the graphic novel. So things seem repetitive, except I realized that if you, if you were going into it as someone who had never read Watchmen, and you see that tableau, you're only going to pick up l- a few pieces of information. You're not going to know which scene was significant right. and why. Right. There's a couple of scenes, spoiler free to say, a couple of those tableaus <coughs> where you leaned over to me and you said, nice, and we both knew what the significance was, right. but someone not knowing where it was going isn't going to know that. Right. You know? And so when Rorschach repeats that information, it's like, oh, you know, it has to be for the people. I have a little problem with Zack Snyder being a little on the nose with some of his music choices. And there are places where I think that he could have afforded to be subtler. And that's just stupid nitpicking, though. I realize that. I'd still say, now, if if you have to give it, it's at least a four and a half out of five to me. (coughs) And I think anybody that... I mean, because I hold the the graphic novel pretty dear, but I don't... You know, I don't... I can't say that I understand it more than you or... Appreciate it more than you or anybody else. But every I mean? time I go back over the graphic novel, I appreciate something new about sure. it. So you know. But but, but what I, I guess my point on that was that, uh, you know, basically, I think anybody that's going to watch this and judge it, and, and in a sense of comparing it to the book, and kind of saying, oh, well, it's just not going to be able to live up to the book. You know what? You got to see it as what it is, and it's it's an ambitious endeavor. You know, to try and film the unfilmable, like they say, and and what he got out of it, you know, we got the. I mean, we got a Watchmen movie. You know what I mean? It was. It maybe wasn't perfect. It maybe left out stuff, but it got. Here's here's and here's the feeling I got from it. I almost think the people behind us. I I don't know if you heard about. We had a couple of girls sitting behind us, and all the iconic parts. And you know, this is not spoiler. You know, whatever. But all the iconic parts from the book, the parts that we all have talked about for years and loved and moved us and shocked us and whatever, were on the screen. And you could hear the people behind us going, oh, my God. Or, you know what I mean, or reacting the way they were supposed to react or, you know, or cheering when they're supposed to cheer and, you know, hitting all the right beats that well, were in the comic. like that, that guy that the, the lights came up and this guy turns over to me and says, I've waited 20 years to hear mm-hmm. Rorschach say... You're in here with me, right? You know, and it's right. just like I, it was a great moment, and and the acting is almost like you know. There's been a lot of criticism of Malin Ackerman. She's a pretty face. Right. She's not a deep actress, but you know, I think it fit that character. But, but Laurie just she was never deep in the comic. No, she? exactly. She's right. she's hard edged. She's exactly all the things that that Malin Ackerman brings to a role. That was Laura Jespersek mm-hmm. or Jupiter. Let's just go back. Right. Silk Spectre too. Billy Crudup, absolutely a great Dr. Manhattan. I had a problem with Matthew Good, the guy playing Ozymandias, and even that, without spoiling, there were things, because his accent was kind of inconsistent, and he's a British actor, I wasn't sure what they were trying to go for, and I actually have a theory, I've talked myself out of hating that. He still looked a little too slight for me, a little too David Bowie-ish, to be this tough, 
you know, the smartest man, in the, not just the smartest man in the world. The thing is, he's the peak, supposed to be the peak of human physical perfection. Because he's based on, Osmandius is taken from an old Charlton character, the uh, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, who is like the ultimate man. And so I didn't think that guy really, that actor really was, but that was okay because, you know, because Night Owl looks like Night Owl. Jackie Earl Haley. Hey, how, about, how about Patrick Wilson? Too? Yeah, no, that's how, you know, like yeah. that, that. Just that humanity. I mean, I hate to sound like pretentious when I say that, like, oh, his, he brought so much humanity to that. But role. you've got but, both the weakness and the strength of Hollis need, Mason. But but that character, Dan Dreiberg. Dan, Dan Dreiberg. Yeah, sorry. You yeah. needed Hollis was the first one. You know what I'm saying? You needed that character because he's essentially he's the moral compass. He's the the, he's yeah. almost the one that's you know is your ride you know with you know he's the he yeah. associates with and I, first of all I love Patrick Wilson I think he's a great actor but you know what he brought to that role it was just I was so impressed because you know the whole time you know you want to have that feeling of, you know because you root for for Dan because he is that lovable loser and you know he's you know can't mm-hmm. you know perform or whatever and it's like. You know what I mean? And he, Patrick Wilson, you look at Patrick Wilson, Patrick Wilson's, you know, good-looking dude, put together, he had to gain weight for this role or whatever, and he brought that vulnerability and that, hum, you know, humanity, and mm-hmm. it was like... And a terrible haircut. So good, so good. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jack Earl Haley, that's Rorschach. You know, a lot of people were kind of wondering, you know what I mean? Like, can he pull it off, can he pull it off? Oh, yeah. We're here to tell you. He pulls it off. He's the friggin' man, He dude. pulls it off. And, and then, how about his story, huh? Yeah. And the violence... Uh, the violence there, you know, which the pan, which in the comic or the graphic novel, let's call it a comic, you know, in the comic, it's it's a lot of just suggestion, and even this is where I'm going to say, I was upset about the violence on Monday night and how graphic it was and how much we were forced to watch, watch, and uh, but you know what, that's part of the cinematic language. Zack Snyder right. was absolutely right to do that for today's audiences. This is the cinematic language that they understand you can't just cut away and especially if the commentary is yes it is horrible mm-hmm. yes what these guys are doing is dangerous and psychotic yeah. and if you see it and even the superheroes yes there's got to be a question about them and what they're right. doing you know even dr manhattan's um destroying uh, bad guys is not kind of the clean dave right. gibbons panel thing there is they a detritus. don't just evaporate. There's a detritus left behind. There's, right. you know, detritus. Yes. Wow. Uh, for our listeners out there, could you explain what detritus means? Crap. Oh, okay. There's there's gunk left behind. Okay, thank you. It's detritus. Uh, folks at home, that is your word of the week. Detritus. Every time Derek says detritus on the podcast, you need to scream as loud as you can. All right. Thanks, Pee Wee. Go ahead. Well, now you broke my flow. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Now I know what detritus means, and I will mm-hmm. never forget it. Thank you, Derek. You are welcome. Uh, and I don't say that mockingly. I'm and, really and, impressed. And, and probably the most controversial aspect, which is not a spoiler to say, that Zack Snyder altered the ending. I don't want to say changed the ending, because thematically it's the same thing. Sure. It's the same idea. But I have to say, and I may, I'm going on a limb, and hopefully Alan Moore won't put a curse on me for saying this, I think... That the decision that uh, David Hayter and uh, Alex C, TSE, the other screenwriter, that they made in that script, and Zack Snyder probably did some massaging on that, that whatever whatever that process was to come up with with the way they, they portrayed the ending, I think it makes actually a lot more sense 
it's a lot more believable, and I think it ties things together in a much better way for one reason that I'll tell you off air because I don't want to spoil, but I, but really, really makes th- brought things home. I knew I liked it Monday night, and then I was thinking about it for a couple of days, and then today I articulated and went, yeah, this is why. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I really think that the ending is stronger in the film than it is in the... Uh, I, I think I was with you in the sense that I accepted the ending. Um, I'm not sure... I fully because like I, and I told you before is the ending in the graphic novel is probably my favorite part when mm-hmm. I first read it because it just blew my mind but yeah. you know I mean in this movie I wasn't totally like taken out and went oh come on no you know I just kind of because you knew it had to come to a certain conclusion mm-hmm. so it was just a matter of going well how are they going to do it oh they did it that way all right, that works. That gets me to the next, you know, part of the mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. So let's just get there. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and there were fine. alterations to make it, you know, even still, and this may be difficult for some audiences, is, it, but part of the slavishness does still talk about how it does make this film seem episodic. Mm. Because you could tell, or I could tell, where there are, like, almost issue breaks. Right. You well, know? that's because we know the book. Because we know mean. the book. But it, so it felt like, you know, suddenly you stop and you have this whole segment is dedicated to Dr. Manhattan because that's the way it worked in right. the book. And that, But, see, that's a meticulous thing that Snyder did that I think fans of the book will appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He kept that storyline. He didn't really juxtapose any other storyline or parts of the storyline out of position. No. No. You know what I mean? He kept it pretty true to the flow of the book. Yeah, no. he had to cut out some spots. And in fact, the more we talk about this now... The more I like the film. See, there you go. So well done. Yeah. Um, and let me, I, I am going to pay to see it again. And let me say, and this week, and one of the reasons I'm so familiar with it now is, of course, the Watchmen Motion comic mm-hmm. uh, was released on Tuesday on DVD. So all twelve chapters are available on a DVD. If you don't have an i iPhone or a iPod or computer, you want to watch it on that, you can pop it on your TV. Um, and I gotta say, I'm not a big fan of the Motion comic. Okay. I thought it was interesting, but I think that it it heightened some weaknesses mm. of comics as a medium. When you take a panel and you blow it up to a television screen size, you see the shortcuts that otherwise Dave Gibbons. Yeah, but I don't beautiful think art is. I don't think that was the point of motion comics. No. The point of the motion comics is merely just to get you familiar with the story. I think. Maybe, I mean, maybe, and, and we'll see if DC's going to do more motion comics. But the other thing I'd say, and and this is, I was disappointed, honestly, even though I know, like, Rick's argument is, have you ever listened to a book on tape? Yes. I accept that as a book on tape, because a book on tape, or an audio book, rather, is you have all the narrative going through as well. With the motion comic, one guy doing all these voices is just a little bit silly. Mm. If you went to all this trouble to animate it, and there's no narrative carrying it through, and I've got to have an audio-visual thing together, then give me a different actor playing Rorschach. Get a woman to play. Because there are audiobooks now where other people, you know, different actors will read different characters. So why not do that with your flagship book, your, your the jewel of your crown? If you're going to start this with Watchmen, then they should have got they should have sprung for some more actors. They don't have to be name actors because I don't know who the narrator is on on this. Then you know you need to the, probably the highest point for me, the biggest surprise was seeing a trailer for the Tales of the Black Freighter, which comes out next week with Jerry Butler 
voicing uh, the pirate or the sailor in Tales of Black Freighter, the Watchmen tie-in, which is separated out from the movie and unnecessary for the film. I'm interested, just to wrap this up, I'm interested to see how this will play. I actually want to go with friends who have have no idea what the book's about, Mm -hmm. have no idea. It's just to see what they think, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If they walk away going, I'm confused, or I didn't get it, or whatever, I didn't like it, then it's kind of interesting to... I want to see how that plays. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm going to say, which is funny, the, the motion comics says the same thing. This is no substitute for reading the graphic right. novel. You know what? Still, the graphic novel is the best. It's what it was originally. That's fine. But this movie is no shame to it. So, right. uh, another DVD that DC came uh, released this week was Wonder Woman, the animated film. I'm going to say here, the best of the DC Universe films. Wow. You with with some minor tweaking and expansion, I think, because the, these DVDs keep to like an eighty-eight minute running time, mm-hmm. and they're very strict about that. Um, if you put back in whatever little lost scenes there are, like explaining the invisible jet, which just sort of shows up, uh, this should have been the live-action film. Hmm. The story is that strong; it is so concisely, compactly told, so well done in its thematics and in setting up a great villain. And then even having a cameo from a villain at the end where it's just like, awesome, I want to see Wonder Woman 2. Which, I don't, I don't know if we're going to get it. But <laughs> but it just felt like, wow. And I, I, I've always kind of enjoyed Wonder Woman as a character. Never had anything against it. Read several issues of the comic, but never thought, like, this is great. But I found myself laughing out loud by myself watching this because Steve Trevor, Nathan Fillion... Steve, as Steve Trevor, is a character for the first time and responding in a way that is believable to, you know, what's a what's a, a womanizing airline Air Force pilot going to do when surrounded by Amazons and lassoed by the golden lasso of truth? Going to say some things that we're a little embarrassed right, by. Right. He's going to act like Lon Lopez. What? And, and, uh, and he does. And there are some <laughs> funny sequences, you know. Uh, so you're saying I could have played that part then? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. maybe. Uh, Carrie Russell, uh, you know, and Wonder Woman isn't played as just naive. Um, she's played, she never loses her hard edge, her, her strength. She just thinks she doesn't know about how men behave. and it, But it never weakens her. It's never played for laughs. It's never played like she's dumb. She just really is ignorant of certain things because she's grown up on an island of women. Mm-hmm. Alfred Molina, you know, I, I, I just I just go on and on. I in the animation, You're gushing, I am gushing. So. I really was surprised at how much I liked this film. Interesting. Um, Way better than Superman Doomsday. You know, I'm going to confess something right now. I have not yet watched Superman uh, Doomsday. Okay, good because not good. Okay, Anywho. well, better than Bat- Batman Gotham Knights. Yeah, and you know, uh, Reaper. So we re- recommend it. I you did okay. this week. Reaper returned. I have not seen it. You said you saw it. I did. I think that they took advantage a little in our absence of... There were some things that the plot was taking for granted that I don't really remember is how they resolved. Okay. Like uh, that Sam... Everybody's believing 100% that he's Sam the is, the, the is the son of the devil. And the de- I just think he's the son of a bitch. <laughs> and, and the devil wasn't really refuting it. Right. Which was kind of interesting. So, who you know, I, I don't know about that. I But it was a welcome return. It was a, kind of a lazy episode, but it was sort of a... Okay, here's what the status quo is now. Kind of repeating it for new viewers to see. Welcome back. I'm really anxious to see 
Wednesday. I'm glad to have Reaper back and be able to watch that. Cool. Next week. So I want to get reaped. You want to get reaped? Yeah. Um. Okay. Right. Well, you know what? If you if you would like to uh, help reap lawn, please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Or reapmebaby.com. No. <laughs> no, don't do okay. that. Editor at fanboyplanet.com. That's for questions, comments, commentary, complaints. Compliments. Why not? Let's have some compliments. Yeah. In the meantime, till next week, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm a sleepy lawn at sleepylawn.org. Lopez, and we're reminding you to use your powers only for good. Sleep night-night.